what's actually happened to let everyone behind the curtain is you moved house and so your PC was in a box. Basically, yes. Yeah. Although we don't acknowledge that Edward actually lives anywhere, just in case angry Liverpool fans come and try and track him down. They have tried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, it's been a, a pretty good, great couple of weeks on the pitch. Yeah, um, real turnaround for United, hasn't it? Um, yeah. I, th- I think the uh, the Manchester City victory, the Carling Cup semi-final second leg, really gave um, the team some belief. I mean, Wes Brown said uh, rather appropriately, I thought it was a massive game for, for the squad. <laughs> it was a massive game. Um, and then uh, we followed that up with a really, really excellent performance against a really, really dreadful Arsenal. Uh, you know what? I think we can just uh, use the podcast from the Champions League semi-final last season, can't we? Um, <laughs> it's almost yeah. exactly the same. Uh, yeah, minus Ronaldo and just substitute Nani for Ronaldo, and, and no, it's a brilliant I'm sorry. performance. I'm sorry, I can't let you just say that like that. Just substitute Nani for Ronaldo, as if that should even have been theoretically possible. What happened? Where has this new player we've signed called Nani come from? I, I don't know. I mean, we, we've speculated in the past, haven't we, that it was uh, Nani's secret twin brother, the, the good one. I, I, yeah. But I think, um, and we'll come to the Villa game, I think maybe uh, Nani has returned after that savage tackle yesterday. Yeah, actually, it was interesting because um, he was man of the match against Arsenal, and probably rightly so, although I think Wayne Rooney probably had a shout at that, and so did the uh, midfield. Um, but uh, he was pretty terrible in the last 15 minutes. Um yeah, he, he he did. He, I I don't know whether it's a fitness thing. He just hasn't played a lot recently, right? But um, yeah. but he he definitely died. I mean, he had he had a good game against Hull. He had a pretty good half an hour against Burnley. Excellent hour against Arsenal. And uh, I mean, I think I think United faded a little bit anyway in the second half, and Arsenal came back into it. Yeah, uh, even though we were scoring the goals on the break and all that. Um, but. Look, it's it's been a a really good revival for Nani. Uh, shame about yesterday, and and this could set him back. We'll see. Um, Park Ji Sung scored a goal. That's not supposed to happen, is it? No, he scored about three in six years of the club, or however long he's been <laughs> with us. Yeah, uh, he doesn't score a lot. He he was a regular scorer for in Dutch football. Um, I... <laughs> That phrase so, should be stricken from the record in any coverage of Premiership football. Yeah, yeah. So so was uh, Dirk Coit and Matthias Kesman. Hey, look, I mean, it was a great goal, wasn't it? And, and Park puts in a shift, and he's, he's always favoured by Ferguson in the really big games like that. And I, generally, you see him as a kind of defensive option, but I thought he did really well to get close to Rooney in the Arsenal game, and, and, and so did Nani. And he gave United a lot of support for Rooney rather than the, what's happened in some games where Rooney's played up front on his own is that he's just been left there, you know, 30 yards from the nearest player. How um, old is Park, do you know? It's got to be 28, 29. Yeah, it's just interesting because, he, I don't know, he, he's never seemed a particularly complete player. He does a job, but he's always, I don't know, he's always lacked creative spark or whatever or, you know, just, just the final final decision-making in the, the later part of the pitch. So you wonder if there's just some aspect of actually it just takes a very long time to kind of mature and you come from a completely different culture and live in England and all that kind of stuff. So that was the Arsenal, and we we tonked them. Sadly, so did uh, Chelsea. Um, but then they managed to beat Liverpool, uh, thus proving once and for all that which we knew all along: Liverpool are rubbish. Liverpool are rubbish. Um, they they're, they've going to struggle for. I'm, I'm I know they've had a, a few wins recently, and you know the confidence has returned and all that. And 
Yeah, amazingly, uh, the aforementioned Dirk Koyta scored a few goals, but um, they're going to struggle to make top four. Right? They, same points total as City at the moment, a uh, couple ahead of Tottenham, but they've they played a couple more games. Um, so they yeah, really do need to put a shift in between now and May, otherwise uh, they're out. Only uh, one goal difference goal in it as well in the standings at the moment, plus Man City have got two games in hand. Um, uh very, very rabid Manchester United fan that I work with put the question to me this week, who would I rather finish fourth, Man City or Liverpool? I will put the question to you, Ed. I, I don't want either of them. I'm hoping Tottenham might sneak it. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, that's pre- I, I'm kind of hoping the Villa will sneak it, but I don't think either of those things are going to happen. No, I, I think Villa's problem is they're just a bit tepid up front. So, yeah, um, Ashley Young, after such a good season last year, has been not great this year he's been inconsistent Agbong Lahore just doesn't score enough goals John Carew's you know fitness problems are, are well known um, they were before he came to the to uh, England uh, and uh, Emil Heskey couldn't score <laughs> in a brothel the thing is you just and then that sentence just should have ended with and you know Emil Heskey so there's no we, it's Emil Heskey if you're pinning your goal scoring hopes on him you know. he's, he's a fantastic player I love Heskey he's, he's great you know he's really enjoyable to watch and I think he seems like a very nice chap and everything and despite his kind of Liverpool background he's always been one of those opposing players that you root for want to do well you know when they're not playing against you but he's not good with the putting the ball in the goal that's the problem no and so uh, talking about putting the ball in the goal you know he did that five times against Portsmouth or, or well to, yeah to be truthful twice and then exactly. Portsmouth out yep um, uh, United second top goal scorer this season Og yeah oh, I, I uh, sign him up Fergie, Fergie, sign him up. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, Rooney followed by own goal, which is bizarre in a way, isn't it? You, it you is a talk- little bit. I mean, Darren Fletcher uh, said today that it's about pressure, and he's right. You don't score own goals. I mean, I I can't recall all of them, but certainly the those against Portsmouth, it was all about United pressure. I mean, I think uh, Carrick's goal was Carrick's goal, to be honest, but it seems to have been taken off him. And, and yesterday's, if you whack a ball hard across the six-yard area like Giggs did, yeah, there's a good chance it's going to go in. So yeah, I, I do think it's about United there. They, you know, they believe, and and uh, yesterday's performance in particular was it was um, an example of that. You know, even with ten men, it was uh, it was always about United's belief and uh, United going for the winner. And Villa looked like the team that had a man less. Yeah, um, and th- yes, that that was that was very much the impression I got from watching the highlights on United rant this morning. Um, it. it it did look like it was kind of all United. Yeah, um, I, I, I watched the full game on uh, some weird Serbian channel. Um, there you go, the choice of the internet. <laughs> you uh, you flew to Serbia in order to do that legally, I'm sure. Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Digisport. I, I, I'm not actually sure which country it was. Definitely Eastern European. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, it was a good game. I thought United were really good. Um Funny against Portsmouth, uh, scored a ton of goals, but it was just one of those games where there was just, it was just so obvious United it was going to happen. It took a while, didn't it? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Portsmouth clearly the players can't have much belief. They're bottom of the league. They've barely won a game in months. 
they hardly ever get paid. The the business is you know going down the pan. They're quite possibly going to be liquidated next month. Um, yeah. The manager's visiting brothels left, right, and centre, um, and uh, uh, now he's managed to get himself banned for a few games. So um, yeah, you know, if if there's any co- club with uh, you know a lack of confidence, it's going to be Portsmouth. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know it, it kind of that really there's no easy games in football anymore apart from Portsmouth at home because Portsmouth, I mean, they're just they're a shadow of a team, aren't they? And you kind of feel for feel for them. I, I do yeah. feel for them, and I know it's a cliche, but they do really have good fans. I mean, they make a terrific atmosphere down at Fratton Park, um, yeah. and they've been very loyal. And they they tasted that moment of glory a couple of years ago in the FA Cup, and but for you know. A hundred years of history, there haven't been many of those moments, um, right. and they're constrained by location and uh, you know, the inability to you know, build this new stadium. and And they've had some shockingly bad owners. So four of them this year, and people who, as we now know, haven't done it for the love of Portsmouth. But and it's it's a really sad indictment of of uh, English football. And the Premier League should have done something about it, just as they should have done something about the leverage buyout of United in two thousand and five. Yeah, and they should have done something about the owners of Liverpool. Um, absolutely. Um, and absolutely. And, and, and hearing that we have some unity with Liverpool fans and, and uh, you know, as, as despicable as the spirit of Shankly group is and, and their you know, end-of-year party with all the Munich songs and all that and their total failure to apologise for that, um, they are fighting just as hard as, as Must and United fans are to get rid of their owners who've done exactly the same thing. In fact... Um, you know, debt to equity to revenue ratios, their problem's bigger than United's. Um, and they have less, you know, access to capital and and they haven't even been able to access the bond market like the Glazers have. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's a sad, sad um, indictment of English football, as I said. And, and uh, the Premier League, you know, powers that be should be doing something and it shows how incompetent they are that they're not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they... You know, there's there's a kind of gravy train going on in the Premier League upper echelons, isn't there? And it's a boys' club type of thing, and you can't see it changing anytime soon. Until you know, Portsmouth going out of business, that's a shot. That will be a shot across the bows. But if Liverpool or Manchester United go out of business, then you know, I actually don't think either of those things are particularly likely. But you know, no, no, no. I mean, United aren't about to go out of business. I mean, unless the revenue dips, you know, significantly, um, there's enough access. They can they can access more capital, right? So yeah. Um, Although Ed, I'm gonna, we did vow that we weren't going to talk about money on this episode. Yes, we, we've done that many times, and there's plenty on the website. But um, no, no, United aren't going out of business anytime soon, unless there's a, a catastrophic revenue failure, and that might come about if, say, United dropped out of the. The, uh, the Champions League and once a few of the contracts run out, the, the night contracts up in a couple of years' time and, and you know, those kind of things. But, um, yeah, Portsmouth in a much more serious position. Uh, they, they have debts that significantly higher than their their revenue, uh, you know, their capital base. And, um, yeah, there's a real chance that they will not exist anymore in a week's time. And then we'll all have to have a whip round for that bloke with the hat and the bell and the tattoos. That's right. Well... Actually, what will happen is uh, they'll, the, you know, the club, the club will be uh, liquidated, and uh, Portsmouth, you know, 2010 AFC will be formed, and they'll probably end up, you know, starting again. Um, it's happened before. Aldershot, uh, Newport uh, did it. 
Uh, they leave Scarborough. Uh, Leeds United effectively did it as well. In fact, they didn't lose their status. Um, they started a new company, so who knows? Um, Fiorentina. But, yep, uh, Fiorentina. They in fact dropped uh, into Serie C, the re- regional divisions, didn't they? Um, it's happened to a couple of clubs in Germany as well. So um, I don't think Portsmouth um, as an entity will cease to exist. I mean, there's no value in that stadium other than, you know, you can play football there and there's yeah. a, a supporter base and all of that kind of stuff. But the company as it is, is probably going to to be liquidated. They just don't have the money. And, and it depends what the um, the creditors really want. I mean, the ones that are really pushing for it are, are HMRC and they believe they're owed 11.4 million and they they will liquidate the club. They have no, um, have no sentiment there. That's interesting, isn't it? Very sad. Um, so talking very sad uh the green and gold revolution and its relationship with the stewards ed you've written quite a lot about this uh give us the lowdown yeah i mean this is mostly anecdotal evidence i mean we, we saw at the burnley game the uh the the large love united hate glazer black and white uh banner that went over the scoreboard at the stretford end um and it was forcibly ripped down taken off the the fans and the fans ejected. Now, the club came out afterwards and and said that was for safety reasons because the scoreboard's also a safety information um, vehicle and they couldn't possibly have a sign over it. Well, you know, maybe, although there's a big fire at Old Trafford. I don't think anyone's going to be looking at the scoreboard. Um, <laughs> so, and, and then this week, um, the uh, one of the stewards... Um, uh, actually managed to get hold of the banner and he was fired by CES who are the contractors employed by the club um, because he tried to return it to the rightful owners in the car park after the game and he came out this week and kind of outed himself as the the man who tried to do that and said he didn't regret what he'd done this is a man who's been employed at Old Trafford for 19 years and uh, he was fired in this um, this uh, campaign clearly orchestrated campaign to try and shut the fans up and the uh, Milan thing well um so so not too many of the the plans are being revealed for understandable reasons um and uh there was a few email exchanges with duncan drasdo the must um ceo this week um uh, and more will come to light in the the next few days but but essentially there are plans for a protest against milan but um must and uh, yeah, other other groups involved in that don't particularly want to reveal all the details. For, you know, and wh- why should they reveal their hand here? The, the original suggestion was that uh, people would arrive ten minutes. Uh, David Gill dismissed that as ridiculous. Um, I actually think it's really important. So for all the green and gold scarves, and there are more than thirty thousand in the circulation, but now, well, uh, by the way, listeners, if you haven't got one, get one. Buy it from Must, not the sellers outside Old Trafford. They're just profiteering <laughs> from the um, from the protest, which is a real shame. But it's and true. all the money goes straight to Delia Smith if you buy it there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or you know, if you have to give Delia some money, go buy one of her cookbooks. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, Green and Gold, uh, great protest statement. It's getting a lot of media coverage, some serious media coverage as well. I and mean, the BBC did a piece on on uh, Football Focus. Uh, shame they gave a mouthpiece to both Keith Harris who loves himself and David Gill who loves himself and his wallet um, but but at least they gave you know, a fairly balanced view uh, of what's happening and, and a lot of the broadsheets are, have now covered this in depth 
Um, but what's really going to hurt the Glazers, and this is what needs to happen, it is a, a boycott of some kind, whether that's commercial merchandise, whether that's um, the partners, um, the, you know, the sponsors and so on, uh, just to make sure they know that United fans are organised, intelligent, understand what's going on and can hit them hard. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I'm definitely not going to buy an Audi this year. Yeah, yeah, I shall have my Audi plans. I'm I'm going to go for Ferrari instead and <laughs> help prop up the old lady Juventus. Um, it's it's very sad, and that the the kind of atmosphere of you know between the stewards and the fans and so it's kind of heavy-handed tactics. But it's really going to backfire if the Glazers get heavy-handed with the supporters because that's just really going to backfire. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? Well, well, there was um. There's a foretaste of this at Tampa Bay, of course, um, before the Glazers uh, overtook uh, United in 2005. I, I actually wrote a piece on, um, well, it was it was uh, it was posted elsewhere, but I, I, I posted it on Rant at the time. Uh, 99 reasons why you shouldn't trust the Glazers, and um, and one one of them in there was was their treatment of uh, Tampa Bay fans. I mean, they actually ended up suing some Tampa Bay fans who didn't buy their season tickets. Now they'd bought bond type tickets where they'd committed to buy them, but the price had gone up, you know, does this ring any bells? Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I think these are, these are men who stop at nothing uh, for revenue. And uh, that means that screwing over the fans, that's exactly what they're going to do. Uh, so on to um, matters on the pitch against Milan, we're going to go to Milan and spend the next four weeks without the masterful Ryan Giggs. Oh, Sir Ryan Giggs, yeah, gutted. Uh, for, for listeners who haven't seen this, yeah, Ryan out for at least a month with a broken arm. A really unlucky challenge um, yesterday in the Villa game. And uh, we'll have Nani for that game, but of course he's going to miss three domestic games. Um uh, against, uh, I believe, Everton, West Ham, and then the Carling Cup final against Aston Villa. Yeah, um, so Nani's out for the Carling Cup final. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, Giggs won't be back for then. It's, no. Uh, that, that definitely does leave a few selection difficulties. Do you think he might play Valencia and Park? Well, it it I, I don't know. It's a neutral territory. I, I wonder whether Ferguson might be a bit bolder than that. I mean, he might play the two of them in a 4-4-2. Um, I think it would be a real shame if if he uh, if he only deployed the one striker against Villa on neutral territory. I can understand last night um, Villa at Villa Park obviously have a pretty good record there. So um, and it and it's worked in recent away games. Um, but if that's the formation ongoing, then you know, clearly Bob Tovano would need to leave the club. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, terrific goal from uh, Dimitar against Portsmouth. Uh, it was, though, like watching somebody play FIFA with the settings on easy. Cause, like, <laughs> That's the right. Defenders, he just like walked and the defenders didn't tackle him in the box. He just walked out of the box and defenders stayed in the box, giving him, you know, a good few feet. Yeah, it, it was a magic piece of skill, obviously, but yeah, far too easy for he he wouldn't have been allowed that opportunity against uh, one of the better sides, clearly. But uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it is a frustration, and we we talk about Berbatov so often, don't we? And he's just such a such a wonderfully talented player, and uh, he, he, he he's just got he's got so much to offer United, and it's just not happening. And we're coming towards well, more than eighteen months at the club. It's the run in now. He it doesn't look like he's going to get much of a look in. Let's let's be honest. He's just not been playing that often. Um and in the big games 
Ferguson doesn't doesn't want him there. It's just he doesn't play him. So um, I, I just can't. I, I've struggled to see where his long term future is. It's it's it really is a shame, and you do wonder whether he. Because to me, I like I can't see how you could lose faith in the possibility that he could come good as a great player for Man United. You know, there's he's been terrific in in the past at previous clubs that he's been at, and you can see that he's really popular. I, I wrote a little couple hundred word piece about this um, towards the end of last season. Um, he scored in that in the game against Tottenham, um, and he was absolutely mobbed by the United players and he was again against Portsmouth There's, and, and when he, he, he kind of knocked that outrageous lob uh, for Rooney to score kind of Rooney just points at him and goes straight to him even though it wasn't actually such a great pass it it, it kind of bounced nicely um, you know it, he's obviously very well liked at the club you get the sense that that's the case anyway yeah, I I think he's a popular player in the dressing room, I mean he's, he has no pretensions right, and I, I, I know he uh we mocked him rather cruelly. Well, in a night, in a in a playful way on on rant and uh, and uh, there's a you know, inspired by the continental on dirty tackle. Um, but uh, he's not he's not an arrogant man. He's actually a, a, a man who has a, a very fragile ego and he needs nursing. Yeah. And and the problem is right now, United can't carry passengers. Right. You know, we have enough of deficiencies as it is. So. Berbatov needs to yeah. step up, and he's just not the man who's going to drive United forward out of a bad situation. So, in uh, in unrelated comedy news, um, I uh, actually this is not funny, even though it's actually Cole. I still don't find it funny. He's injured for three months. He's, he's fractured his left ankle. Um, as Chelsea beautifully lost to Everton, thanks to Louis uh, Louis, A- Agent um, Sahar, yeah, yeah, Agent Neville and Agent Sahar doing their job again. Um, uh, but he's out, which means that uh, Wayne Bridge is probably going to be England's left back during the yeah, going to be interesting uh, dressing room that one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. But um, the the United re- related part of that story, of course, is that Rio is now England captain, so uh, we can we can support England again with a with a good conscience and, and good on Rio. I mean, he's the the first full time uh, black England captain, um, and you know he's really earned it. He's a, he's a man who's matured. Obviously, he did some pretty prattish things in his younger days. He can still be. A little bit of an idiot. I mean, have you ever seen that uh, YouTube clip of him rapping at La Tasca? Uh, it's pretty embarrassing. And and the hot pants in the summer? No thanks, Rio. But um, but uh, and people point to obviously the the drug ban or let let's be more appropriate the missed test because he's never actually tested positive for any drugs. Uh, and and they say well maybe that he's not fit to be captain because of that. But I, I think he served his sentence for that failure. Uh, he hasn't been any bar brawls for years. He keeps himself to himself. There is no harder working person in football uh, when it comes to charity work, uh, aside from Rio Ferdinand and maybe David James. I mean, he does a ton of work. Uh, very yeah. vocal in the anti-knife campaign. He is a role model. He is a bit of a twat, but he is a role model. And uh, I think very well done. I actually, I, I, I wrote on Rant that I think it was Rooney's time. Not because I think he's a leader on the pitch, but he leads by example. And I think we have that, that, that thing in um, English football that somehow we need to have a line on the pitch and they need to be the captain. But that doesn't always need to be the case. No, but I think, I think, 
I don't know, I think for the balance of the England side as a whole, for the, the kind of ego relationships, for the kind of interpersonal relationships, I actually think um, Rio might be a better choice than, than Rooney. I think Rooney would be a terrific captain for United for a, for a long time to come. But I don't know, I just think um, Rooney's such a superstar on the pitch that um, it's quite good to just... His only job for England is to be, uh, you know, a superstar rather than also have that kind of added responsibility of being a leader on the team, whereas that's a very natural fit for Rio, whose job is to, you know, be a very, be a world-class centre-half. It's yeah, a very different role. Well, I, I get that argument, but um, Johan Cruyff, uh, Michel Platini, uh, Diego Maradona, n- none of these players were obvious captains, but they were the team's best player. Um, yeah, but all three of them have gargantuan personalities and egos in a way that Rooney doesn't. Yeah, good, good, good point, good point. But I, I think he's the man who's taken extra responsibility on and thrived in it. So yeah, that's but, true, that's true. But there you anyway. go. So uh, anyway, England captain Rio Ferdinand um, uh, will be the World Cup captain, barring injury. Of course, you know he's played one game after three months out and then got himself banned. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so and and won't be appealing the appeal for the frivolous <laughs> extra. Yeah, which, which um, I, I think Ferguson had a very good point there. I mean, Javier Mascherano, and we talked about this before, did get away with exactly the same thing, and and there yeah. was some incredible inconsistency there. But anyway, so he won't be appealing that, um, and uh, injury permitting, he'll be uh, England's one of the very few United players going to the World Cup, and England's captain. And uh, we'll be covering all the ins and outs of uh, United's players at the World Cup on United Rant. Um, we will, and, and, and um, looking out for new players, and we'll do a bit of a World Cup diary, and, and uh, yeah, confirmation of our World Cup coverage to come. I'm trying to persuade Ed to let us do a podcast which is just about the World Cup in general, and like touches on United stories as and when they happen, but he's pretty insistent that, no, this is United Rant, not football in general rant, and I can uh, definitely see that point. United, um, United Reserves, United Academy, <laughs> United Under-14s, United Sabutio team, United Football Manager team, England. Uh, you forgot the United uh, team that I've got as top of the league on Real Football 09 on my iPhone. Um, well worth checking good, that out, actually, by the good, way. I got that for 99p. Um, so uh, we should talk about the Milan game. Uh, it's a big game. It's a massive game. It's what a huge game. It's a huge game, and uh, I, I mean, I think I guess um, we've looked at Italian football kind of in the way that we used to look at French football. You know, some talented players, but not really achieving much in the last few years. And clearly, it's been on a downward curve. But uh, and Milan haven't been great in the last few years either. Well, they stonked us a few years ago in the uh, that's, that's in the away leg of the semi-final, didn't they? But they're in form now, and they they have got some decent victories. I mean, uh, okay, so they didn't win in four, and Beckham was dropped to the bench and all that kind of stuff. But the winter's not been bad for them at all, and they're within touching distance in the Italian league. I don't think they'll win it. Um, no, so I, I, I think I hear I, I hear Ronaldinho's playing well as well, which is slightly uh, a confusing and b daunting. Yeah, they dropped from the Brazilian squad. Yeah, he might not make the World Cup. Yeah, so so it's going to be a tough game. Look, every every game in Milan is a tough game, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, with the three people that normally turn up, I guess it'll be a full house United. But yeah, they only come to see United, don't they? <laughs> um, yeah, I I mean I guess we're looking at four five one, uh, counter attacking, and that could go 
pretty well or it could go pretty badly depending on how basically essentially depending on how close they get to Rooney right how close the other two get to Rooney right and it's important you know to play an offensive game because uh, Milan's one of those stadiums where the, the crowd does get on top of you and it can go away from you very very quickly so um, yeah I mean I, I I would expect that Ferguson will go for for experience uh, Vidic should be back although we've said that for the last few weeks and he keeps pulling himself out of squads Ferdinand definitely will be back yeah, uh, he's not banned for that game, although you know clearly lacking in fitness. So you know Ferguson will have some choices to make there, whether he plays them or sticks with Evans and Brown. I and mean, Evans has been outstanding recently. I mean he's been so good. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I I guess if one of one or both come back, the Brown will probably switch to right back. Just give it a bit of solidity. And then uh, he'll pick three in midfield: uh, Skulls, Carrick, and Fletcher for sure. Rooney will play up top on his own, and it will be between. Park Nani and Valencia for the two wide spots, and I mean, you've you got know, to think he'll he'll play Nani given that he's then banned. Yeah, although I mean, clearly there's um, he he likes to play Park in those big games, so so we'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, but I think he'll play Park on the left and Nani on the right, and leave Valencia out, and because he knows Valencia's going to get a run of games in the next few games. That's yeah, what I think. he's actually actually Valencia's uh, the. Made the most appearances of any United player this this season, which is uh, a surprising statistic. But um, he's been so consistent, and he's just had that little break while Nani's come into form. So um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, that's a, that's a call to be made on Tuesday night, um, seven forty-five uh, English time, I believe. So What's your uh, prediction for the score? I think United will go away with a score draw. I think we're going to win one nil. The uh, best possible result. Uh, well, it's not the best possible result. That would be an infinite number of goals to nil. But I think I think they'll they'll not score and we'll score, and that's that's what's going to happen. An infinite number of goals to nil. Now, has that ever happened in a football match? <laughs> no, but it will eventually when someone plays Portsmouth. Um, just a quick, completely unfootball-related note, just to make everyone of our age feel old and maybe a little bit inspired as well. Twenty years ago to the day that uh, we recorded this, Nelson Mandela walked free. Isn't that remarkable? Nothing to do with football whatsoever. Oh, well, no, wait a minute. South Africa, that's where the World Cup is this summer. There, you, where... there you go. And it couldn't have happened if uh, if Mandela hadn't walked free. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Excellent. Absolutely. And we, we've had some good South African players in our in our time. Well, we've had good <laughs> fortune. <laughs> yeah. And in fairness, you know, he is a good South African player. Well, he um he, he got released from his contract at Darlington recently, so I'm not sure he's a good South African player anymore. No, he is. He's just getting on a bit, you know. Oh, Quinton Fortune. That was a great side, wasn't it? The Jemba Jemba Fortune, uh, Cleberson midfield three. It's uh, bringing the hairs on the back of my neck out. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Kieran, Kieran Richardson at left back. Oh, now that's a side. <laughs> If only we could have had Jordi Cruyff in the side too, just a little, you know, generation before. Mike Phelan as well. Um, Oof. Gets rid so... of the ball quicker than a hot potato. <laughs> um, and gets uh, bats back the question quicker than a hot potato. It doesn't make any sense, but you know what I'm trying right. to say. So um, he certainly does. He's he's the uh, the poor man's Phil Neal, is, is uh, Mike Phelan. I think he might be the extremely well-off man's Phil Neal, because I it... bet you... I bet you Mike Phelan gets paid more for his job than Phil Neal got paid for that job. He's like the uh, the nodding dog on the Admiral adverts. Says, oh, yes, Mr. Ferguson. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, he knows which side his bread's buttered. Um, 
so uh, we're not going to have a rant cast next week because you're off doing highfalutin business affairs. I will be on um, the continent. <laughs> you were doing a bit of scouting. Um, but uh, we're going to be back the week after that and try and try and get on a regular schedule where we do this on the same day every week. Because um, uh, apparently someone missed us while we were gone. So a big shout out to Day who, uh, who posted saying he was missing the rant cast. So thank you for that. Yeah, how much did you pay for that? You know, I can't disclose. That, that's, it was a transfer for an undisclosed sum. Good, good stuff. Well, we'll see you in about a week's time, Ren. All right. Have fun on the continent, Ed. Good night.